Retro Rebel Gamecast Episode 40 is brought to you by Darth Vader as well as Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for you, the listeners. Retro Rebel is released every week, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my Rebel co-host, Amanda. What's up? Howdy doodle. Howdy doodle. <laughs> caught, you, caught you mid... Uh, mid breathing a second ago dark. yeah, yeah. i know sorry that's okay I've, i think I've, that I've adds to the i just watched the new movie so you well, know. good. <laughs> what'd you think of it i liked it i don't know what everybody's probably everybody's right. just they gotta have something to complain about i loved it in fact after getting to see it um again and thinking about it, i like it even more um i mean sassy space nuns and porgs are where it's at i'm just saying <laughs> Sassy space, even they didn't really say a whole lot either. I mean, you could definitely tell. When I know, but they were so throwing shade, like they weren't having they were, it. They were um, <laughs> salty, is the term are the kids using these days? So salty, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they were not happy with Ray poking holes in their in their huts. So, well, would you be? I no. mean, spoiler alert! Trying to keep uh, the place up there. Ray pokes is, a hole. is it a spoiler? It is not a spoiler. That's. <laughs> That's just a random plot point. Exactly. Like, not it's not even a plot, plot point. It's exactly. a, a random 30-second scene. Occurrence. Exactly. So, yeah. Great. I thought it was a great movie. And, and uh, it's actually, the, the more I think about it, it it just had... We talked about it in, on the uh, Temple of Geek, the Toddcast. So, if you want to catch that, you can head over to the Toddcast and catch the latest episode where we discuss the movie. It's completely spoiled, so please go watch the movie first. But anyway... Uh, so what have you been doing, Amanda? What's been up? What have you been playing? I think I know one game that, I'm anxious to hear. I've, I've been doing loads of things. So I've been slowly beating the Dungeons of Kobold with every class. Now how, oh God, so, see you. Okay, never mind. So I'm, I'm on my third class now. See, so, is, I have no way to compare where we stand against one another because... First of all, we are we've discussed how we can't actually play each other across the, the ocean. They can't make that technology work. But secondly, y- you you don't play ranked, so I don't know where you. I ranked. do play ranked. Okay, so where are you in the rank? Um, sixteen right now. Okay. Now the For highest I've ever gotten the highest I've ever gotten I think was uh, eleven or twelve, but it still puts you in like the. 70 or 80th percentile. So. Yeah, no, I've only ever gotten to 15, I think, was the highest that I got. But I had like a 20-game win streak one night, and I didn't go to bed till 2 in the morning because it was just too amazing, and I was getting bonus stars. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. It's addictive. And if you're getting those two stars, you got to do it again. Mm-hmm. So, no, I completely understand. So, But have you played the the new expansion? I have, and I haven't played with any other... Any other uh, because the thing about, and I really do like the new dungeon 
component of the mechanic for Hearthstone. Uh, but I have only played with the mage again, and the mage is kicking my ass. Like I'll get to like the seventh dungeon, and I'll get my ass kicked. And oh, I'll it's really there, hard. I'll get there every time, and I get my ass kicked. So. But I beat it with the mage first. Yeah, and, well, that's the only one I've tried. I haven't tried any of the other ones. And so I did it probably five or six times, and then I went back to playing ranked after I couldn't get past the fifth one. Or the treasures one. are all that matters. So okay. you you have to structure your deck around the special ability that you've chosen. Right. I learned that really quickly on. Yeah. So like some special abilities are completely pointless for some classes. Like why why as a mage would you double your health? There's right. no point to that. Right. You know, like why would you make it where your death rattles trigger twice when you're unlikely to get death rattle cards? Right. So and you that's kind just of have to think about deck it. Build, yeah. I think for that one, I beat it with uh, play three secrets to start, and your uh, five cost or more cards only cost five. See, I, beat I never the whole got thing either one of those. I got the um, the one that I keep getting all the time at the beginning is the uh, spell spell magic uh, uh, spell power spell increase damage by three. plus three. Yeah. That's fine. And and that one that one helped me. I mean, that was probably that was. I was waxing everybody up till like the fifth one, and it, I'd beat them in like five turns. And then six and seven, it was like they just their mechanics did not go well for that particular deck. What's so. the most outrageous boss that you've encountered yet? How many times have you tried? Have you tried a lot? Not a lot. No, probably four or five times. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah it's gonna exactly. Take a lot longer than that. What <laughs> <laughs> could be why you have beaten it with multiple characters, and I have not. I've I've probably done the dungeon run two hundred times. Yeah, that's also why you beat the Lich King and I haven't either. So. Yeah, I've only beat the Lich King with one class though. That is the most painful fight. I can't do it again. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least with the dungeon run thing, there's like an element of randomness. Yeah, so, so it's different each time. Yeah, it's a bit different every time, and sometimes you get lucky and the right treasures come up and the right cards come up, you know, and you can go for it, but. So far, I've beaten it with the priest or with the mage, the warlock, and I'm doing priest now. And I'm just kind of going the like along the row in order oh, yeah. that they appear okay. because my OCD demands it. But the most fun boss that I fought the whole time is called uh, AFK, <laughs> and it's literally it takes no offensive action. It's like if you're lucky, it's like a number six boss. Yeah. You get so you actually get that one instead of a legitimately hard one. She does nothing the whole time. You, you just, just smash her to the Okay, it. nice. Yeah, yeah. I haven't got that one. That's the best boss. <laughs> the best boss. Ever. I'll probably get that and one. And she first. just like whistles contentedly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. pretty good. That's funny. Yeah, and okay. surprisingly, the one where whenever you cast a spell, it like damages you or something. That one's actually pretty easy to beat, even with a mage, if you get rid of every spell in your hand. Right. Just discard them all. Just go full minions, and then they can't do anything special, and you beat them. So okay, nice. But I've also been playing Bioshock Infinite. Now hey. it's weird. Yeah, since I've been playing it, I vaguely remember starting that game. Yeah. Because when he gets the hook situation yeah. on his hand, like at the very beginning of the game, that like I had some serious deja vu of that. Yeah. So I think that I have actually played the like first few missions before, but I don't think I finished it because it actually is like surprisingly difficult if you've picked it up 
having not just played Bioshock 1 and 2 like, right yeah. after each other. Agreed. If you're in the Bioshock frame of mind, then you're looking for the right things and you're thinking the right sort of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you've just picked it up after, you know, two years or whatever the gap was between it was released and whatever, I imagine it would be quite hard. So I think that's why I didn't finish it the first time. But right now I am at the part where you get the gun master's tools back from the armory and you have to go to shanty town. That's where I am. So I think I'm exactly halfway through just about. Okay. And what are you, what are your initial thoughts so far? It's good. Actually, I like the first couple of missions a bit more than I'm liking it at the moment because there was a lot of like old hymns and stuff like that. And when I was a kid, I used to have to go to church like two days a week. So I was like, oh, my God, blast from the past, eh? So I kind of recognize the music and everything like that. But right now it's kind of going through the, like, slavery part. Not super loving it. Right. Well, there's a lot of Vox Populi stuff. And there's a lot of, uh, like, well, I mean, the very first thing that you do is where you have to throw the baseball. That I mean, I... Obviously, did not throw it. Obviously, at a ball. and I didn't either. <laughs> so you kind of get in trouble for that for not throwing the baseball. And uh, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm get me in trouble, I guess. But <laughs> that um, was never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. It was like, well, I was so confused. I was like, what am I supposed to do? I'm so, you want me to throw the? You want me to throw it at them? Yeah, it was just. I was like, I didn't get it. I was like, this wasn't computing. I was like, I can't. I'm not sure what you're asking because st- that just didn't compute with me. So, yeah, anyway, but it's the, and as you go on, I think that there, of all three of the games, this one may have some missions that seem like they're overly complicated for the narrative, if that makes sense. Like, there will be a couple bosses that are just hard, and they seem like they're harder for the sake of gameplay and not to further the story. But to me, yeah. the story is good enough that I overlooked all of that. By the time, like I said, it's the, it's to me, it's the last, that last bit of the game that that changes everything about the way I thought of it and what is what made it so special to me. So anyway, I'm glad that you're well, playing it and look forward. Hopefully, to... next episode we'll have an update. <laughs> That's right. On the game uh, situation. The game because situation. I need to finish it before. I need to finish it before Saturday. So that I can put it back in the mail and get another one before Christmas, because yeah. otherwise I'm not going to have no games to play. Oh. <laughs> so. um, okay, well that's uh, anything else. You said you've been doing a lot. Is that is that uh, the? Is that well, I, I beat Bioshock two at the beginning of this week. Mm-hmm. Beat that again, and you know I think that's the weakest of the three titles, honestly. Yeah. It feels a bit contrived, and at the end of the game, I kind of didn't realize we were at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, is that it then? Like, I feel like they didn't do enough to establish an emotional connection with Eleanor. Yeah. Because at the end, when it was like, sacrifice yourself or save her or whatever, I was like, well, I guess I'll sacrifice myself. But I didn't really feel like I wanted to. I was just like, uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. You know, like the lamb person, I didn't care for her. She was obnoxious the whole time. And I just, it didn't feel very different from the first movie at all. So, you know, it, it could have taken place 
like at the same time as the first one, you know what I mean? Which right. I think some of it's like gravitas, like nothing about the, the slicers or anything had evolved. You know, right. they were the exact same enemies from the first video game that yeah, I literally. It's like just a continuation. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I got quite bored of that. So at least Bioshock infinite, I'm enjoying using the possession thing to make every single vending machine spit out coins. <laughs> which is a that is uh, that is good and they uh i like the enemies i like the alternate history oh i guess it's just because i like story and that's just much more important to me a lot of times than than the rest sometimes it can make up for you know kind of weird or awkward game mechanics is if you got a good story um yeah, the only thing I don't like is when you have to slide around on the things. I don't care about that. Like, I just want to be on the oh, ground. Oh yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. Slide around. And that's and that's they, kind of fun though. Didn't... I like it. It's just like uh, shooting. Uh, Sunset Overdrive did that way better. Oh, did they? Yeah, like that was the whole point of that game. They nailed that mechanic. If I want to do that sort of thing, I'll go play Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Um, you know, anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm taking up too much time and we've got a big show. So we do. You get that is you? true. That is true. Okay. So I have actually been doing a lot as well. I, uh, I downloaded, uh, the, the latest Batman episode. Um, I have not completed it yet. Um, this per- so far, the enemy within has been, it's been good. It's still, there's, there's just something missing. I really actually like the way that, uh, Batman and Joker work together. Uh, right now, Joker in, in this game, Joker is not Joker. He's John Doe, um, and you know you met him in the very first game, and so that's how you knew who he was. He got out, and that's not a spoiler. Um, you have some decisions that you can make to uh, to to improve that relationship or make it worse, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and I've tried to cultivate my relationship with Joker as my friend. And uh, so we're good buds at this point in the game. Um, awesome. Yeah, but you don't really know who he is. Like, you don't really know who he is or how bad he can be uh, because he's never he doesn't do anything. At least he hasn't in my version of it. Let's just screw it. Spoilers. He doesn't he doesn't do it. He doesn't do anything in my version of the game that leads you to believe that he's as bad as like say Harley Quinn, who's in the game. And Harley Quinn. Uh, right is is uh you know joker has eyes for her and is trying to woo her and uh that's part of the the game as well is to try to you can either hit on harley or you can let joker uh try to win her over i don't know um and he's terrible at it the batman hitting on harlequin gross you could um Catwoman plays a major role. Uh, it's it's been good, but it's it's kind of like the the middle filler episode because it's I think it's episode three, and there's five usually or six I can't remember five episodes, and so it's the one that kind of is bridging the other two. So it, not a lot happens, uh, but it, I mean it, I, it was enjoyable. But um, but I also downloaded Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, and, How are you finding that? Uh, it is a lot of fun. Um, can you control him? Yes. AKA, when you ask him to stop, does he stop? He because doesn't I do still that have not mastered stupid, that. Yeah, he doesn't really do that stupid extra step. Um, so I hate that. Yeah, he doesn't do that. This this one's much. This one controls a lot more like. Uh, well, 
at least in the beginning game part of the game i played about 10 hours of it or so uh and and uh it's you can one of the things that always frustrated me about the assassin's creed games is that they were so open world and there was so much busy work that it just seemed like they artificially filled in the gaps of a game to make it longer than it had to be and this one actually gives you a purpose to do some of these side quests that it actually it will benefit you to go do these side quests and and uh, so uh, it can help improve your character uh there's a uh, there's kind of an RPG element in terms of like improving your skills, uh, which may have been a part of the other Assassin's Creed games, but I didn't give a shit because I didn't play them. So, uh, but on this one I did, and, and I've enjoyed it a lot, uh, actually, a lot more than I thought I would. But it had been suggested and, and recommended by so many people, and there just really wasn't anything out that I went ahead and got it because it'll give me something to do for the remainder of the break. Um, so that's been pretty good. Uh, I downloaded Back to the Future, the Telltale game, because it's free on Xbox uh, Gold right now. It's one of the gold games for this for this. Oh, month. I'll have to download. And um, I started playing it, and this is the first. My initial impression of it is, I really I love Back to the Future. Uh, you know, that's part of my childhood. Uh, this game is an is an alternate take on. What happens, like, after they get back from, I guess, it's like after uh, the third movie. So when they get back from the Wild West. And I guess I guess he stays, right? Doc stays or something. You but, are asking the wrong person. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm trying to remember the movie, and I've just thought through it. If I remember correctly, in, epi- in the third uh, movie, Doc Brown stays in the Wild West. And... Uh, Marty comes back on a train. And uh, so months later, this is where this game takes off. So this is where the game takes off. And so Marty's back in 1985 or 86 or something. And uh, the DeLorean shows back up randomly. And uh, so, you know, anyway, so from that point, it's it's actually much more of an adventure game. Then Telltale Games tended to be, I, I don't know, maybe it's, because I think this is one of the very first ones they came out with. And uh, so I've only played a little bit of it so far, and, and I've, I've enjoyed it, but um, some of the puzzles and some of the adventure uh, elements of it are not quite as obvious, and so maybe I'm, I'm just not um, I'm just not accustomed to it. I think they honed their, this particular skill a little bit better than some of the other games that they had. But I think it's worth downloading because it's free, and I like all the other Telltale games, and so I'm still working on it. Um, but the last game that I downloaded, and I have had the most fun with this game, I've probably, if it had come out this year, it would be probably my game of the year, just because I've enjoyed it that much, and that is Doom on Xbox. Um, it has been a lot of fun. I don't like first-person shooters. I don't like... Uh, I mean, I, it's not that I don't like them. I'm just typically not very good at them. But, uh, you know, I played uh, Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, uh, or the second the second version, or second game. And I enjoyed it, but it was harder than I expected. Uh, and I think that's been the biggest complaint for it. This one you can set to be a little bit easier. Uh, but it just seems to be more... It's like Doom. It's like they captured Doom as it was on the PC... 20 years ago or more and they 
and they made it they upgraded everything including the graphics and the and the enemies and all that stuff but just kept the essence of what really made that game fun every now and then you'll have a jump scare and stuff like that but it's not really a horror game um although i wouldn't play it in front of my son anymore it's a little bit more graphic than i, than I <laughs> but uh anyway but I've, I've really enjoyed that so that's what i've been playing and uh, so i've had a lot of uh i played a lot of games in the last month or so that i've uh, that i've actually really enjoyed and kind of ended the year on a good note so excellent excellent well that around the room topic was brought to you by our sponsor audible.com reading is fun and audible has been around for almost 20 years providing you a great service Help us out by heading over to audible.com and check out their trial service of a free audiobook and 30-day trial by entering audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Amanda, what is our recommendation this month? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, our recommendation this you've month had so is... Many, you've had so many books that you've read lately that you were having a hard <laughs> yeah. time picking one. Yeah, so it's actually... It's not like a sci-fi or fantasy book. It's a practical book. It's called The Chimp Paradox by Steve Peters. Um, and basically, it's based on the theory that all of us have, like, an inner chimpanzee that just wants uh, to, like, lash out and is very selfish and reacts poo. impulsively. And, and fling poo. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so this is basically, it's, it's helpful, like, in everyday and also work scenario, just managing that initial reaction. So recognizing when you're about to chimp out and <laughs> taking a step back and evaluating whether or not if you waited 20 minutes, you would feel differently. Right. So it's a really good book. It's available on the free trial. And I think it's kind of in the vein of people in the new year. If this is something you've struggled with, like overreacting then this is kind of the book for you. And for you. Um, yeah, a good friend of mine recommended it. So it's on my list of things to read in the new year. Well, if you want to prevent those chimp outs, head over to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast to get that free title. Or you can choose from over 180,000 other titles today. That's just so many books. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and get your free 30-day trial started today. Now to the meat and taters of this. The Game Awards. Every show has a Game Award, and we decided that we were going to do our own. Um, our Games Awards are uh, rebellious in nature in that we really don't care what everybody else has done. We're going to do our own. And we may even have some that we made up on the fly just because we can. Uh, amen. Amen. Generally speaking, we'll stick to the to the main topics at least or the 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 i mean maybe the uh, high points of game awards uh, but we do have some surprises in store so in no particular order let's start with the best indie game experience best indie game experience award goes to and we'll let you go first amanda tell us your indie game experience of the year um so my best indie game experience is actually uh, it was a free for gold title there for a little while. It's Slime Rancher. Um, it's really Slime fun. Rancher. Yeah, it's like a mindless game. You don't have to think too much about it. Um, it is kind of in the style of Farmville in that you're creating a ranch, you're expanding it, you're collecting. 
the little poops of your little slimes and then uh, selling those on as currency and you're mixing slimes together and trying to keep the bad slimes as bay. So it's a really fun, <laughs> like stress-free, relaxing, like I had a chicken coop. I was like breeding rock hens the whole time. You know, it, it's very relaxing. Great game. 10 out of 10. Do recommend. Fantastic. Um, my indie game experience is is uh, probably a more popular one, um, and and maybe I don't know. I, I'm I may be biased, but I know out of the two of us, I'm the only one that played Cuphead. So Cuphead yeah. is my is my indie game experience um, of the year. It is it is excruciatingly hard. Um, it is frustratingly difficult, but uh, the mechanics make it so that that is not a deterrent. In fact, uh, the the levels are so, uh, or it takes such a short time to beat the levels generally that it gives you, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel even if you're getting your ass handed to you, which happens a lot. You will get beat and die a lot. Um, But you don't feel like you're wasting your time or spinning your wheels. You can always tell that whatever killed you was 100% your fault. So that's also reassuring. It's like you know what you did wrong. It wasn't some glitch or anything else. Uh, it was just the fact that you weren't good and uh, weren't able to. Uh, you you weren't able to uh, to to best at that time. But but uh, you know there, it, it brings you back, and that's why I think Cuphead is my indie game experience of the year. Play it. Go play it. I love yeah. that. I love that mine is like it's super fun and relaxing, and yours is like you'll hate yourself. It was like mine's masochistic. <laughs> it's like cutting yourself. Yeah, it's, it is. Um, <laughs> It's just pain. It's just pain and excruciating pain, and you'd love it. Recommend it. Ten stars. Um, Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) Worst indie game experience of the year goes to Amanda. Um. So it's a game you might not have heard of. It's called Bad Apples. Bad apples. Uh. It. Yeah. It's a mobile spinoff of Cards Against Humanity. Ooh. And it is one of those super frustrating pay to play situations where if you want more than just the standard starting deck, you gotta pay. You want uh, more chances to play against strangers, you gotta pay. Yeah, um, and you only get, you only get one round, like one free round, like every four hours. Like that is so painfully slow. Right. And essentially, they just want you to buy their currency cake so you can play against other people. And um, I just found it really frustrating. I downloaded it because I was going away to a cabin and some like friends were going to play it like in real life. And I think it's fine if you play with people, you know, you do like a game link and whatever. And that's fine, um, except for the ads that pop up in the middle of it, which isn't lovely. Uh but if you want to play with random people, like a multiplayer, it's 100% pay-to-play. So that's why I'm going to put it on my worst indie game experience of this year. It might not have come out this year, but I played it this year. So it was my first experience with it. I will caveat. Oh, and I appreciate so, the caveat. Our listeners probably do as well. I do not have an indie game experience, a negative one. That's not to say that every one I had was – well, I guess it is to say every one I had was positive. But I really feel like I only had one anyway so (laughs) uh and it was good so i'm you know quitting while i'm ahead uh on that one this next next category i'd like um a bit of 
well, we don't really need uh, any. I don't, we're just going to leave it open. The, the category is the Oh Hi Mark Award uh, goes to, uh, and I, I think both of us select this game for the same reason. And when we describe it, it'll explain the category. And if you don't get it, then who cares? So, uh, Amanda, what do you? Th- what is our uh, Oh Hi Mark uh, Award? Uh, or the game. Uh, our Oh Hi Mark Award goes to Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> it was it was a lovely train wreck from start to finish. Fantastic. It yes. had endearing qualities. I think the love story with the key new alien race is awesome. If you're a femship, it was really nice and it worked out good and I thought it was fantastic. Pretty much every other element was just painful to the point of hilarity uh things moving around you like scooting forward like you have to poo but you can't find a toilet you know just (laughs) all these really awkward animations the googly eyes the constant flippy reloadies you know just all the graphical errors all of the bugs uh all of the really halted and weird dialogue it's very much oh hi mark so Yes, a train wreck, one that should be experienced. I don't think that they, I think they deserve all the negative criticism. It it shouldn't all fall on the shoulders of Bioware, though. I don't think it's all their fault. Um, they've earned enough goodwill to to get a pass, at least from their perspective. There, it just seemed like there were too many cooks in the kitchen for this game, and uh, we've talked about it a number of times on the show, but. Uh, I think that is an appropriate award for it, and we may be unique in this particular category. So uh, I'm okay with that as well. I think it's the best category ever. We it must do this one next year. Yes, we oh, will. hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. And I'm sure there's going to be another uh, that that is a uh, worthy candidate for it. And if anyone comments and says they don't know what that is, you get your nerd card revoked. <laughs> uh, it's pulled immediately. Too, It's too much in the meta now, so you should know. And if you don't, well, yeah. You need to get exactly. good at meta, so yeah, get good. <laughs> All right, so next qu- next category is worst AAA game experience of the year. Not the not the award that you wanted to win, not the one that you were searching for with all the years of hard work. Um, I'll go first this time. The uh, worst AAA game experience of the year for me was um, Battlefront Two. Star Wars Battlefront 2 is... I can't believe you played it. Uh, Well, I'm going to... There's a caveat there as well. Uh, It was given to my son as a gift. Ah. And uh, because I had made a decision, I was not going to spend money on this game. And uh, when I got it, it is really... It is pretty. It's a pretty game. I mean, there there are a lot of positives to it. This game came with so much baggage, though. And... Until just vicious, uh, I don't know, just the until the internet wielded was wielding its power to, I guess, um, prevent EA from uh, you know implementing this loot box issue or or the the pay to win more or less uh, or just the grind. Uh, you know, they wanted you to buy their currency and all this all this controversy over buying their in game currency. Uh, and since they pulled all that and they they cut all the hours that you'd have to invest to to unlock the characters, I really none of that really seems to matter because the game is the game is okay. It's really pretty, but it's okay at best. 
Uh, and, and I think that for what it was supposed to be and the amount of time and money that was invested in it, it's incredibly dis- disappointing, you know, that it couldn't be more. You can even tell that in the story, they started to weave in things for the sake of familiarity, to be safe. And because of that, it, it takes away from this new character that could have been really com- complicated. Uh, and so, anyway, uh, you know, I think that uh, it they just dropped the ball on this one. And uh, you, I think that it'll suffer. I did not spend money on it uh, just for the record. So, But that was my worst AAA game experience of the year. Congratulations, Star Wars Battlefront. <laughs> or anti-congratulations, Anti-congratulations, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I, I was tempted to put Mass Effect Andromeda in that category right. because of all the bugs. However, Bioware still knows how to tell a good story. And a lot of the interactions that I had with my crew and part of the main storyline, I enjoyed enough to give it its own category, which we've done. Yes. So I need to award the poor AAA game experience to For Honor. Quite possibly the slowest, most boring uh, story mode I've ever interacted with and the most weird button-mashing combat I've ever done. I'm part of it is my fault as a player because I'm not excellent with anything that requires you to like dodge in a specific direction. Yeah. I click, I click a dodge button fast as anybody else, but when you have to do directional dodging, very specific directional dodging and directional blocking and that sort of stuff, I'm just not good at it. And that is 90% of what this game is. It's right. really slow. The cutscenes are laboriously slow. Uh, I really found no redeeming factors beyond its graphical impression. And it is pretty, I'm sure just as pretty as star Wars battlefront is, but it is so tedious and so boring. I really didn't get any enjoyment out of it other than the fact that I was playing with my brother online. Other than that, I really could have been doing anything else. You know, it, (laughs) it, it was that tedious. So that is is why for honor goes directly to the bottom of the boo-boo box for me. Oh, Bottom of the boo-boo box award for honor. There you go. Again, congratulations. Um, I'll show you where you, you can pick up your award. Best AAA game experience uh, goes to... I guess I'll go first on this one as well. Uh, not because there was yeah. an awkward pause, but because I hadn't decided if I wanted to go first yet or not. But I'm going to go ahead and go because I didn't tell you what mine would be. And that's because it changed literally at the last second. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Mine, I've committed this, to my list. It's written down. That's what the pauses are. I'm reading my list. <laughs> yeah. My, mine is written down now as of this morning. Um, this is a late entry, and it's because for me, I didn't play it until late. And so the best AAA game experience for me is now Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I feel like, you know, I had taken a break. I believe it was Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, where they were in the Revolutionary War, that I quit playing. That was the last one that I played. I did not. Uh, I didn't even finish it because once you get to the second half uh, and you play as the, I guess whoever is your main character, the son of the, the jerk that ends up being the villain. Um, 
you know, I just I just lost. Oh uh, yes, they, that man. Yeah, they ended up they ended up changing up some of the mechanics too at that point, and and there were some stealth portions of the game that uh, that weren't really all that stealthy, and and uh, the rules weren't real clear. I realize you're supposed to stay hidden, but sometimes you think you're hidden and you're not hidden. And anyway, it just got frustrating, and I quit playing it. Uh, I'm sure that this game will have some of those as well. It'll just we'll have some nitpicky things that I can that I can point out. But up to this point, I've, I haven't finished it yet, but I've really enjoyed what I have played. And I've enjoyed it more than any other AAA experience uh, in terms of gameplay. I really loved, the, I really loved Wolfenstein 2, uh, but I, didn't in, I loved the story. I didn't love the gameplay. Uh, again, because as I said before, I'm not really a first-person shooter player. Um, but I really, wanted to, I really wanted the story because I enjoyed the first one. Um, but Assassin's Creed has been much more fun to play for me. So in terms of a AAA experience, Assassin's Creed Origins gets the gets the nod from me. What about you? Well, see, I thought you would have agreed with me on this, that The Walking Dead uh, that was released this year, The Walking Dead game by Telltale, was the best AAA. And I'm going to give them AAA now. They're, they're mainstream enough. I'm going to give them AAA. I think that's um, why I didn't, is because I didn't think of them as AAA, but Telltale probably should be considered. Yeah, they've got enough games out, like, they're churning them out. They've got a publisher now, I think, as well, whereas previously, I think they might have self-published maybe their first game, I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it was it was a good story. It was moving. Uh, a couple points I felt like actually ill, you know, it got like a visceral reaction, yeah, even though yeah. it's just like hand drawn graphics, you know, they can be quite gruesome and, you know, it can be quite difficult, you know, to handle. Um, and I thought it was very well executed. And at the end, you know, at least for me, and this isn't a spoiler, I mean, obviously your actions impact upon Clementine, who's a major character in the entire franchise. So if you didn't know that now, it is not a spoiler. That's just knowledge. Um, <laughs> you know, your actions impact on her. And I didn't get the ending that I thought I was playing for the whole time. Right. Um, and I think that's what that's what Telltale does so well, is that you can't really anticipate the outcomes of the choices before you make them. You think True. that you're doing the right thing and actually it backfires and you should have done something that seemed counterintuitive, but would have worked out better in the end. You know, I think they're really good at that sort of thing, not being as linear as you would imagine, you know, um, because there are a couple plot points that you thought you were doing the right thing and you weren't, you know, you, you, it ended up the the characters involved didn't even last to the end of the game. So you could have done what you liked, you know, and you probably would have made out better, had supplies or whatever. Um, so I think that's why I need to award them the best AAA game of the year. I think they're mainstream enough. They know what they're doing. They've got a really refined craft. And in the UK, at least, uh, Borderlands, the telltale game Borderlands, Tales from the Borderlands, is available yeah on gold at the moment so if you haven't been able to play any telltale games in a while i highly recommend that one as well very good um but it didn't come out this year so that's why it's not on the list sorry yeah it is a good <laughs> game I, I enjoy i've enjoyed every single telltale game uh and and so i have high hopes for um <laughs> the the uh back to the future one that i just downloaded so i guess we'll see all right next category game music Game music. Now, this is one that I 
probably forced onto the list because I wanted it. Um, but I appreciate you humoring me and putting a, a, a game in this category yourself. So, game music, uh, game of game music of the year uh, for you is a not is I would I would call it an unconventional choice. Yeah. So <laughs> once again, I think the category I, that I'm going off of is games that I played in 2017. Not yes, necessarily like came out in 2017. You know, they're, I played them this year. Right. Um, and I played the Telltale game last year, so that's why I didn't include it. But um, this year, it once again a brand new recent entry, but an unexpected delight is the music in Bioshock Infinite. I mentioned earlier, you know, I used to go to church as a kid. And hymns are a big part of going to church. And it's rare to hear hymns used in video games full stop. Um, they also used uh, Lac- Mozart's Lacrimosa as well. So a couple really classic um, biblical and uh, classical music choices so far that I've enjoyed in the game. So I'm going to give it to Bioshock Infinite as uh, best music in a game I've heard all year. Nice. Okay, I haven't heard uh, the music in Bioshock Infinite um, in a while, so I'd have to go back and listen to it. But for me, uh, the best music that I've played in a game in 2017 goes to Pyre. Um, I am the only one, again, that has played this particular game, and I I, I think I could hear your eyes roll into the back of your head this time. Uh, I mean, (laughs) you have talked about this game so, so much. It's just such a... So uh, much. It's, I would almost call it a niche game in that I don't know that everybody would enjoy it because it is very difficult to explain. There, there are, there are like some very basic RPG elements to the game. You pick your party. You have no, to you tried to explain it before, I and I was like, every time I do, it's I do like it Rocket League with mages. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. It's like football with. Where, but you're carrying a star, but you can also fly, and it's just weird. There's just no way to explain it. You have to either play it and watch a video for it. But I really like the music. The music is all original. It's all original for this particular game. If you paid the extra five bucks, I think it was. I, I don't remember. I have to go back and look. You would have. You would get the actual soundtrack. Now, when you've never heard the soundtrack, I didn't want to just buy it for the soundtrack. But after, when you're in game. Part of one of the unlockables is to unlock all of the songs. So you can unlock all the songs. Now, you don't get to keep them. You can go back into the game and listen to them, but you have to go into the game. If you buy the soundtrack, you can actually have the soundtrack separate in your in your music files. Uh, but I So I sat one night, and I actually listened to all of the songs on the, on the in-game, in uh, as you could just sit, and you're sitting in your wagon and whatever else, and you can just play music. And it, it's one of the things you do as you're passing the time as the night goes on or whatever. Because every, whatever, I'm not going to explain. <laughs> just see, if you could all see a man is just, just not having this This sounds right like now. the worst. I know. Like you're but, in your wagon, listen to the dulcet tunes while time yeah, passes. Like, pretty, I'm like paint's fucking drying over well, there. There is, a, there is, for someone who's more of a mover shaker, this may not be your cup of tea. However... This is, uh, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I kind of, I, I liked the game enough that I would sit and listen to the music. Music was really good. That's all I'm going to say, Manda. Crap. Um, Fine, you can have that. You okay. can have the music was good. The music Move was on. good. There we go. Move on. Everyone's the bored award. now. 
It didn't get it didn't get any other awards, so everyone can calm down. It did get the music yeah. one though. Okay. Yeah. Very good. All right, moving on. We're almost halfway done. <laughs> Best game innovation for 2017. I do not have a dog in this fight, so Amanda, tell us what your your winner for best game innovation. So it, it's a bizarre choice uh, because it's not a console. It's not on mobile. It's actually the Echo button for Amazon's uh, Echo Stroke Alexa, whatever you want to call her. Um, and it is a physical button that you can use to play games with Alexa. Nice. Um, so they've got like a version of Trivial Pursuit. They've got like memory sort of one. Um, a pack of two buttons, I think is like 20 quid. So it's a pretty cheap like add on for two people to play like head to head against the AI. And I think that is a really cool. It literally just went on sale, I think 24 hours ago here in the UK. Um, I think it's been available in the US since like the earlier part of the year. But it's an interesting kind of way to blend board games or like physical tabletop games with AI and, and computer advancements. So yeah. I think that that's an interesting way to go about it because Alexa only uses her voice. So for all these sort of things, um, you don't have a visual element. And I think that's very interesting in gaming because you almost always have a visual element. So that's why I've given it most interesting uh, and amazing technological innovation of 2017. Um, yeah. Well, good. Well, I had no reference, so I mean, I, I had, I, I didn't even have anything I could put in the category. Uh, well, that's because you were too busy riding around your wagon listening to music. Listening to music, I didn't have time for it. I don't have time for your <laughs> technology ad- advances while I'm in my wagon Miami. listening to a record player in, in the down under. So. Um, well, good. You've got time for technology, worse technology, though. I can see you put an entry in the next category. See, in the, in the, you ain't got time to bleed. That's right. <laughs> well, and uh, and I only have limited experience in this, too, but I have a reason for it. So, worst game technology 2017. Uh, we, we each have a, a particular uh, candidate for this award. And uh, so, for me, worst game technology is uh, virtual reality. Uh, VR is continuing to rear its head as 3D did and um, as other technologies have in the past. And I don't know that it will necessarily go away. What I do think it will continue to evolve and maybe at one point will be a viable actual, uh, I don't know, it might make sense to actually purchase something for it. You know, right now you can get pretty cheap uh, VR experiences and I think that's kind of the 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 best that you could possibly hope for. There's only one game that's out, to my knowledge, that did this right, and that was the Resident Evil game. Everything else seems to make people sick after a few hours of playing or less. Um, and so what's the point of playing a game if the experience is, is awesome, but your, your body literally rejects the experience? Uh, I just can't imagine anything that's worse than that. Uh, it's, it's like anti-video games to me, and... To have something that your body says no to, um, I think it's. I think it has some interesting capabilities. I I just don't think it is. It is a mainstream gaming technology that's going to take on, and I'm probably that's probably the dad voice in me 
So I mean, you're alone over there because I played an Oculus Rift demo and I was like shooting mage balls out of my fingertips, like Kamehameha, and it was nice. But you didn't get sick. No, uh, but I did a like immersive one where you're like in a chair and the chair moves. Got sick doing that. Yeah. Yeah. See, and I, yeah. and I, there may be a place for it, but like I said, I don't think it will ever be the main, the way we play video games. I just, it's kind of like no, I not, downloaded not an unless emulator. Unless you can make a hamster ball where it's like you the holiday. You can actually move. Yeah. Because then I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And if it gets to that point, but to me, even that would be prohibitively expensive. And that's like, like does that come with your house? Do you get a holodeck when you build your new yes. house? Yes. If you get that, then that's In my that's future, that's all I want. <laughs> that's also different. So if we get a holodeck, I'm in. We're a ways off from it being um, an actual technology that I think is a, a must-have or even a might-have at this point. Um, but what for you, what is the worst game technology? Uh, well, a new emergence this year, or at least new as far as I was aware, is inside of facebook messenger games right for a hot minute i was into this you know because it was really quick and responsive and you can you know play it from the little chat bubble at the side of your phone you know you're just in a game and then it's really quick um but then it turned into a cancer uh where (laughs) you got like 800 invitations from everybody you've ever known because they're trying to you know get you know, power-ups and blah, blah, whatnot. It just became just like Farmville used to be back in the early days of Facebook. They really need to think of another way to make these games. Right. To prolificate them without these weird, crazy invite things because that is super annoying. At one point when I was playing this, I was in like 10 different groups and I was like, like, actually, this isn't fun anymore. It's just stressful. This thing's going off all the time. You know, forget it. And then I stopped playing. And then it was over. I think nobody's playing it anymore. It, it was just hurt, that. It can't hurt you anymore. I know. But yeah, so. that's, I'm going to fir- firmly put that in the uh, technological advancement that sucked in 2017. Hers is probably way more justifiable. But I don't care. Um, <laughs> all right most overblown controversy of 2017 goes to amanda um right so this is gonna seem harsh and particularly harsh because one of you and i both have a big love for you know jim sterling um but he talks about this maybe too much now um, and it's the use of content ID strikes against YouTubers to bully them or whatever. It, it is it is not that common. Um, yeah. It really isn't. Uh, and I feel like it gets way more attention than it should. Yes, it's wrong and people shouldn't do that. And I feel like YouTube needs to deal with that. Google needs to deal with that. Right. I don't need to constantly hear about it. I feel like it comes up all of the time. Um, and it's always like a special video where they're like, so-and-so tried to content ID my blah, blah, blah. Like people need to stop doing it and people need to stop talking about it. It's over. Um, right. I think it's, it's blown way out of proportion. It affects a small amount of the YouTube uh, community as somebody who has a YouTube channel myself. It's not happened to me yet. I'm more likely to get demonetized because of the algorithm uh, in YouTube. 
that determines whether or not your videos are user friendly than I am to get a content strike. And I think that's generally where everybody is. So if anybody needs to be freaking out about things, it should be the new algorithm, not that. Right. right. And, and I, I follow a few pages too that not necessarily, they don't have, uh, they're not worried. I don't think about the uh, content strikes, but because of the algorithm, their, their video titles are just a hodgepodge of words. You know, now they've just like Infinity War, Spider-Man, Homecoming, two gems. And that's the name of the video. And you're like, fuck you. You know, yeah, I know it's... you're going to spend maybe 10 seconds talking about that particular thing. And, and you know, I know the guy that, that uh, has this particular channel that actually has that title for his video is totally listening to this. Um, but I just, you know, to me, that I know he's not going to talk about those things but it makes me click on it anyway because i'm a sheep and uh and i can't <laughs> you little sheep because i'm a sheep um anyway all right moving on most justified on. controversy of 2017 is something that we both can agree on and i think is just a bane to gaming and that is loot boxes loot boxes, loot boxes. in general yeah loot boxes loot in general boxes. just a, a garbage truck on fire um, yeah, it's just the idea of it. Um, I don't see how it makes it past anything rational, uh, where people aren't just sitting on top of piles of money and thinking of ways to make the pile of money bigger, where this makes any sense, uh, to force gamers to, to pay for content that should be included. And the more I think about it, actually, the more pissed off I get to think about, a, a company like, uh, for instance, I believe, is it, um, oh, Obsidian. Obsidian, a, a company that I think you and I both uh, support who made Knights of the Old Republic 2. Mm-hmm. They recently came out and said, we, our next RPG will have zero loot boxes in it and zero microtransactions. And to me, that's non-news. Like, that should be assumed. However, in this day and age, that's not the case anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you kind of have to say that so that you don't get flamed before you even start. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see that. And I hope that it continues to go in that direction and other companies decide. Because as we've talked about before, and, and I agree, if a game, maybe games have to cost more. I don't know. I don't, I'm not, that's not for me to say necessarily. But... If if I have to pay sixty five dollars for a game that has all of the effing content in it, then I'll pay sixty five dollars for it. But don't nickel and dime me to death. Just sell me the whole game, you know. And yeah. And, uh, and I think that's the direction that we're going is that they're they're going to start. Hopefully, some of these companies will actually heed that. Quit trying to to maximize profits and and uh, insult their audience and their and their you know their supporters by breaking their game into pieces and selling it piecemeal to somebody. So loot boxes, you suck. Yeah. I think for me, this one hits a bit closer to home because I spent 15 years working in the casino gaming industry. So the fact that they call it gambling is actually an insult to people who work in casinos, because when you go to a casino, you have a chance of getting something that's actually worth something. Right. When you buy a loot box, you don't get anything that's actually worth anything. There's no external 
uh, market for these yeah. things outside of maybe PC gaming. You could make a case for like, wow, or whatever you could sell, you know, your character, but, but with a console, you really can't. So, right. you know, when, when you're playing these games or whatever and you're getting loot boxes and you're, you know, you are paying for the chance to get something that might have value to you. Right. Um, I think that's actually worse than gambling and worse than microtransactions. At least with a the microtransaction, they're saying, if you want this thing, you, you can it. have it, right. but you will pay this much. Right. Fine. I can almost stomach that. But not if you want this thing, you will have a chance to have it if you continually pay money until the right. random loot generator gives it to you. Right. That is awful. Um, and I, I think it's worse than gambling. And I think every single developed country has laws to protect children from this sort of predatory behavior. And I think they need to, because the idea that parents are going to be able to, unless the parents are gamers themselves, they don't know what it is. Right. They don't know, you know, they're the kids just like, Oh, uh, can I have like five bucks? I just want to buy like this upgrade in the game. And they'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. They think they're actually getting something for it. And then yeah. pretty soon they need another five bucks. They need another, nine, like that's literally how addictions happen. Um, right. because you know, you try, 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 and then you get a dopamine release. Absolutely. You try, try, try. And then the you only get thing we one. truly care about is dopamine. So, so, uh, you know, I, that's, that's the biggest concern for me is that it's actually worse than casino gaming, a profession yeah. I used to do for many years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and we won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but I, I do, I just, I want to say one more thing. I know, uh, Jim Sterling again. He he came out with another video where he discusses how cosmetic diff changes in the game are important to gaming. It's not just strictly cosmetic. And his defense to that is that one of the components to online gaming is setting yourself apart from everybody else. And one of the ways you do that is with these cosmetic differences. But one of the only ways you can get it are through these loot boxes. Uh, or through you know some other form of microtransaction and, and um, which used to be unlockable through playing the game so on and so forth yeah uh, and and I actually think there's some validity to that particular argument um, they bring uh, they bring blizzard into this with a similar uh, you know the I guess a similar condemnation with the loot boxes in overwatch I play overwatch I'm not I'm not active in the community and I really could care less about all of that stuff, but I can see how somebody might, but I think that they do microtransactions in a, in a different way. And maybe it's just because blizzard is a different beast than most of these. Like you can go into the blizzard shop for world of Warcraft and there are all these mounts that you can buy that are just a little bit different than the ones you can get in game. And the people in game know that if you got that war bear, that you actually got it from this raid. But if you get the war bear that's got like a, you know the white flag on it or whatever, well people know that you bought that from the store, so it's a little bit different. So the people that know know, and the people that don't, you know, whatever they probably don't care. But they also do a lot of charities, so a lot, some of their uh, some of their purchases or their microtransactions go strictly to hurricane relief, or you know, and it's all for a digital item that you know that has no tangible value. You can't sell those mounts or those those in-game pets or whatever they are. And um, I don't know. I just feel like there is, there's a little bit of a, of nuance to all of this. I think that o Overwatch may have contributed to the, to the big picture. 
but lumping them into this necessarily, I don't think is 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 necessarily fair. Um, I think the difference between Overwatch and how things are done in WoW, though, is that Overwatch, I think, is just a loot box economy, yeah, uh, whereas WoW is a microtransaction economy. They don't right. have a... So essentially, if you want to buy that mount, you see what the mount is and the money you pay for it. It's right, not that right. you are buying the chance to get that mount right. after repeated tries. Yeah, I think that that's the distinction. I think microtransactions are just part of life right now. Right. Um, and I think they but are too, loot boxes and... is too far. Like. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. And, and uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll see how this evolves. And, and hopefully in 2018, this will be better. Uh, we'll see. All right, just a few more here. So next category, best new franchise. Best new franchise, we both agreed on this particular one, mostly because I couldn't think of another one. So best new franchise for 2017 is... We'll go to Amanda. I'll let you announce. You'll let me announce. Ugh, where's my list? Hearthstone. Oh, yeah. Duh. Um, so it is... So it new franchise, right? I should clarify that uh, in by franchise I mean like the best new game. Who you know, Hearthstone has updates very frequently, so they're not a new game, um, but they are a new franchise, and they have been releasing new content every few months, from what I can tell, um, to a very aggressive sort of uh, update schedule, and so. Their latest release, which is the Dungeons of Kobold, um, right. is an excellent new addition that brings a different element of gameplay. I think what I've enjoyed more about Hearthstone, and I'm glad that you convinced me to play it because I do like card-based games. I like Magic yeah. the Gathering, I like all this sort of stuff. Um, but what's different between Magic the Gathering or Gwent or any of the other sort of card games is that Hearthstone has a commitment to new and innovative gameplay every week with their tavern ball series. Right. So that is a completely different game mode. You can go in that is completely different every single time. I've never played the same type of game mode twice. Right. Um, and then they have larger uh, free expansions that add additional like bosses with new strategic elements to fight. Um, cause they have different special powers or whatever. And the most recent one is the Dungeons of Kobold, which is a series of eight bosses that you need to defeat. Uh, you need to defeat it with every single class in the game. And then you unlock, um, I think a gold version of the card or maybe a gold hero. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think anybody's beaten it yet because it just came out on like the 13th of December. So it's really, really new. Um, I've only beaten it with two classes so far, as I was saying earlier. But I think what makes this better than most card games is that Blizzard seems to be committed to keeping the content fresh. And right. for me, I get very bored just doing consistent multiplayer. You know, I wouldn't be able to do ranked matches if I didn't have a quest to go after. Um, right. And I don't. You know, when, when I'm out of quests, I go and play the story mode and try to beat the dungeon or whatever. You know, I, I'm not playing it if I don't have a quest to do. So I think that's what's kept me engaged so far. I've been playing it for, I think, maybe two, two and a half months so far. Yeah. Um, and yeah, very happy with it. Happy to rate it best new franchise. Yeah. I, I think, well, I don't, I can't, is it called, 
kobolds and catacombs? I don't know. It doesn't. Matter. Yeah, kobolds and catacombs. I think. Um. Yeah, I agree. Um. I this is I have played it since the beginning because I'm a Blizzard fanboy, and uh, and they've you know with all the expansions that they've had or uh, new component to a franchise, uh, this is this has been the most fresh or the or the newest uh, in terms of ideas that they've tried to implement. The, the whole dungeon where you have to kind of do a dungeon run through all the bosses. This is new. They've, they've never done anything like this before. And I, and it has been a lot, it has been a lot of fun that you can just jump in. You don't really have to, you don't, you don't even have to create a deck because a lot of times in, in, uh, arena, uh, or, or tavern brawls, you have to make a deck. And to me, that's a deterrent just because sometimes I just want to jump in and play and I don't want to have to make my deck. Um, in this, you don't have to worry about it. You just pick your hero. The deck is built; it will be built for you as you go, uh, and you can kind of make those choices. Uh, you know, once once they kind of cross, as you beat bosses, uh, they start to add different mechanics to it. And and uh, you know, we were talking before we started recording just how how important it is to you know to line up your your buffs with your deck because. If you don't, then you are sure to lose. You will definitely lose in the, you know, in in the dungeon. So it's been a lot of fun, and I really, uh, I've really enjoyed it. So, um, and I also bought, you know, I, I paid the forty nine dollars for. Uh, I'm contributing to the to the mess. Oh, did you I buy bought, the big card pack? Yeah, I bought I the big card card. pack, but I only do that once. Like I never buy any more. I always buy one one big deal, and then if I need to build any cards from there, I can always. I'll, uh, you know, turn the ones I have doubles of into dust and then make the cards that I need from that. So, Yeah, no, I'll buy the story expansions, but I'm not paying yeah. money for card decks for the same reason. Card decks are just like loot boxes. They're the exact same. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. But it's, you know, it's kind of, it's like buying Magic the Gathering actual cards, though. You know, so, like, if you went into the store when I used to buy them 15 years ago or whatever, and you're paying for an overpriced deck of or a pack of cards, like five cards, hoping to get something, you know, of, of value, you know, there's... Yeah, my parents didn't let me do that. <laughs> oh, well, my parents didn't know, so I was like, hey, can I have 20 bucks? And then I'd go spend it on... Or if I just had my own money... See, I'm telling you, it. parents don't know what's going on. Oh, I know. I try to stay in the know, so we'll see. But good, yeah. Definitely best new franchise. I think it's worth it. And if you don't like it, then let us know in the comments so we can argue with you. Most anticipated game of the year or of next year. Most anticipated game this year for next year. We'll figure out the title later. But yeah. for you, whatever. So what was what is the most anticipated game for next year, 2018 for Amanda? Uh, well, this is probably not going to be on anybody's list uh, that I've seen, but... I quite enjoy the franchise. It's the State of Decay franchise. And as I understand, State of Decay 2 is coming out in 2018. Um, it's a good franchise. It's a settlement fortification resource management stroke mini quest sort of franchise. If you've never played it, it's, you know, a zombie apocalypse situation. You've got a group of survivors. You have to, you know, get them the right amount of supplies, the right mix of people, you know, food, whatever in the right fortifications to survive the, you know, the zombie outbreak or whatnot. I really quite like it. Um, it, it's a good concept. I've never beaten, uh, 
State of Decay games before simply because uh, they reach a point where they become incredibly difficult where I just can't get past it. And then I'm kind of like save locked to something that's a no win situation. And when that happens, I really struggle to go back and erase like an hour of progress. So I just usually <laughs> stop. Um, so I've never actually successfully beaten a State of Decay game that I've started. Uh, however, I think it's a really good franchise. I'm looking forward to the new ones. I'm definitely looking forward to graphical and control improvements because it always was a bit clunky. So I'm hoping that's what they've done. That's mine. For me, it is uh, Last of Us 2, and I know nothing about this game other than I've played the first one, and it is one of my all-time favorite games. So um, the the cinematic that they that they were showing at the gaming at the gaming shows. Um, doesn't tell you a whole lot. In fact, if anything, uh, it's it's extremely confusing because um, you really you don't recognize any of the characters that are in it, any of the humans. Um, the only thing that is recognizable are the clickers that they show at the very end. If you haven't seen it and you like the game, I recommend you go find it uh, and and watch it because it's it's a, a compelling cinematic. So it, it kind of sets the tone for maybe what you think the game is going to be about. So. That's my most anticipated game. Uh, my second most anticipated thing to happen would be for Amanda to play the first one sometime so that we can at least discuss that. <laughs> I uh, know. Um, I will eventually. At some point. I know it. I know it. Absolutely. So, But that's my most anticipated game. I think those are two worthy candidates. Uh, last, We have four categories left, and these should go relatively quickly because I don't know that we each have a dog in these fights. But... Uh, the the next category is best mobile game of 2017. One that I think we both agree on. Uh, I mean, is, drum roll! Uh, it's Hearthstone. I it's mean, Hearthstone, yeah, Hearthstone. It's Hearthstone, obviously. So, I think that's yeah. like I we spend a good 20 minutes talking about Hearthstone like per episode. It's just now. a fun like, game, and it's it's just people a, don't want to hear about it anymore. We have to stop. <laughs> it's a fun game. Check it out. Free. Yeah. Mostly. Worst mobile game ever, and I blame this one. Uh, who do we blame this one on? Who got? Did you get us started, or did Daniel get us started on? This? No, it was it was it was me. Yeah, sorry okay, about that. We blame you. Uh, my sister did it to me first, so we can actually blame my sister for the original infection of Everwing, uh, the famous Facebook Messenger plague. Uh, it was hot for about a month, um, and then it just spammed you for a month following until you eventually just didn't log hey, Stacey, in. Where are you? Too. Hey, Stacy, your friends are all kicking your behind. Hey, Stacy. Yeah. Yeah. You're, <laughs> hey, you want to get in on this boss that you literally <laughs> will not even be able to kill if you wanted to try it. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. It, 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 you know what? The game itself was fun. Uh, but the reminder, the, the right. plague a- aspect of how much it spread, the fact that you could have 20 groups going at the same time, sucks. So for that right. reason, forget it. Congratulations, Everwing. Um, all right, so the last two categories, I don't know that you have uh, a... I don't know that you have a candidate for these two awards, but I added these, and I think over time we will kind of add categories, take categories away as we, as we hone this this most prestigious game of the year awards show. But uh, for me, this next category is wish I knew you the wish I knew you award goes to a game that, that I wish I had played that I heard really good things about um, that. I just never got around to, to playing. And, uh, and, and, and there's another verse to that. 
I probably won't. Probably never will. So I don't know how much I really wish. But at least in this particular instance. Oh, uh, I can put a dog in this fight, actually. Okay, good. I, I thought that you could after I explained what this award meant. <laughs> so for me, the Wish I Knew You award goes to Horizon Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn. I mean, yeah. stop feeling my brain dot. There, there you go. So it's a game that I really wish that I had uh, had the time to get around to playing. At the, when it came out, there were some other... I think I had just bought my Switch, and so I didn't have any money left uh, for, for a good... I know, I know. Look, the, just the judgment that I'm getting. Direct debit 5,000. Yeah. Um, Your most Horizon, anticipated console. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a category Whatever Nintendo is peddling. <laughs> we didn't even have that category, but it should be. Yeah, one. we don't need it. It's just going to be whatever the hell <laughs> Nintendo tries to sell you next year. Well, it's not going to be the Xbox One X seven thousand either. So, no. um, so is that the same for you, Horizons? Yeah, Dawn? same for me. Yeah. Only because I don't have a PS4, and I I really hate this exclusive title situation. I think we're beyond that now. I think yeah. launch title, sure, but after the first month or two, like release it across the platform. Why would you do that to people? Why would you limit your market? I'm never right. going to buy a PS4. I'm right. not going to. I've already got an expensive system taking up space. I don't have that much room. Right. So No, it's understandable. Already. And I think, I don't know how much more it costs to program for one machine over the other, but I think that the cost could be made up in how many you would sell. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, wish I knew you were goes to Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, I, I never knew ye. And uh, the last the last category is tell me a story the tell me a story award goes to a game that that uh gameplay or, or uh game mechanics was fairly light on game mechanics but in terms of the story was one of the best stories that i played through uh all year it's it probably falls in in uh because I, I started to play gone home which i've enjoyed how much i've gotten through but i haven't finished it um you know uh Life is Strange, I've really enjoyed, but I haven't finished it. <laughs> Lots of half games. Uh, but this particular game, I felt really deserved it because I did finish it, and the end of the story was very moving. Uh, the whole way that they told the story was inventive, and that is What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, so What Remains of Edith Finch was... Um, and are you ever going to play it? Yeah. No, okay. you've asked me that like twelve times. Well, and before no, I ruin it's it. a walking simulator. No. But there are puzzles to fi- to. No, I I out. hate puzzles. They always yeah. outsmart me. I have to look them up. <laughs> I spend the whole game doing walkthroughs. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, and I understand that. So, so anyway, so I, uh, the game is about the Finch family and how each, you know, everybody in the family was like cursed and they all died from something tragic. Um, like one of them ends up shooting another one because they thought they were a deer. One of them ends up, uh, drowning in a bathtub. A baby ends up drowning in a bathtub. But the way they show you how the baby drowns in the bathtub is through the, these frogs, this frog that the child was seeing. And you have to get the frog to do a particular thing. And as you do, the water is filling up in the bathtub and you can hear the mother in the background telling a story or doing something or talking about the baby and she gets distracted and as she gets distracted the water goes up over the baby's head but as the baby is underwater the baby starts to just see this this cartoony type 
deal with the frog, so starts to swim with the frog and everything else, and then goes down the drain. You never oh, see God. the baby die. You just it's implied that it happened. And so, as you're going through and you're seeing all of these stories, and and one of them, one of one of them gets told in like comic book fashion, where the girl, I mean, the house is is scary as all get out to begin with. I mean, in terms of like if you're just if you were going to wander around this house, you're not going to wander around this house ever. Just because of the way the house is set up. It's set up like a booby trap, everything. All the doors are glued shut. Uh, you got There's like trap doors and like rickety stairwells that go up to secret rooms. And, you know, there's no one who's going to go to this house and look through it if you didn't know it. It just looks haunted and terrifying. But uh, this one, one of the cousins or daughters or sisters, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. Um, she ends up getting killed by something that comes into the house. But the way that they tell you about it is through comic book panels. So you're, you, you actually are acting out all the comic book panels and you have to wander around. And as you wander around, it'll skip through to another page and, and you'll see all these comic book panels. And it's like told from like a horror game standpoint. But you never really, you never really see any of the horror. It's like all everything's implied, and uh, then the game ends, where the twist is actually the daughter is there, finding all this out, like the daughter of Edith Finch, because Edith Finch dies in childbirth, and so the mother dies in childbirth and is buried out where all the rest of the family is buried. And you literally came there just to kind of close the door on the story of the family to kind of get an idea of like, because you left without knowing the whole story or your mother left without knowing the whole story. And you came back, you fill in all the pieces. Once you find out that your mother died in childbirth, that's where the game ends. Um, and so the story was really good and I, I enjoyed it. It didn't really fit in any other category. I didn't think it deserved to win anything else, but I really enjoyed the story. And, you know, for a game that takes about two and a half to maybe four hours to play, it was worth, it was worth the money I spent and, and for a good story. So. All right. So, yeah. I could, I could see that. I mean, I'm not going to play it, but I could see why you would. Right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good story, and, uh, and just enjoy the rare concession you've just gotten. <laughs> I do. I will write it down. This will, you heard it here first. It's now it's in perpetuity. It will be forever. So, well, that wraps up this episode and 2017 of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion and for this entire year of shows and all of you listeners. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. Any questions or comments, feel free to email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. Please head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download and rate us because that really helps our show. Until next year. See you later.